Lord, we do seek your face. We seek your presence. And we thank you that you come close to those who draw near to you. Cleanse our hearts, cleanse our hands, Lord. As it says in Psalm 24, who can come ascend the hill of the Lord, those with clean hands and a pure heart. It's by your work that that cleansing happens, Lord. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock, my rock and my redeemer. We declare Jesus is Lord over this time and this space. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm Barb Ferrier. I'm one of the elders here, and I'm privileged to bring the word to you this morning. Um, I'm really a teacher rather than a preacher, but uh, we trust that God will uh, work regardless of that. Um, as we meet today for a healing service that we planned months ago, it is not lost on me that in God's sovereignty, it was just yesterday we celebrated Diane Boyd's life, cut short by cancer. How do we hold these things in tension? A God who grieves with us and joins our suffering as sickness and death play out, and yet a God who does miraculous healings even in our day. His love and compassion are rich and full in both contexts. Not only I, but many in this congregation have stories of God's healing grace. And if you're one of those, I will ask you later to identify yourself, not to tell your story today, but so perhaps some Sunday after coffee, someone might approach you and, and ask to hear your story. So let's anchor this today in the healing ministry of Jesus within the larger meta-narrative of scripture. You know that there's one overarching story that joins those 66 books of the Bible together. I'm indebted to my um, colleague and friend, um, Pastor Paul Stokes um, in the UK, who's the uh, uh, academic dean for the Dunamis Institute, and I'm using his slides today. So um, I'm a... I'm assuming you're fairly familiar with the first three chapters of Genesis. And if not, the beginning of the year is a good time to go back to the beginning of the Bible. So I encourage you to do that. We don't have time to dig those apart, you know, um, today. But I'm assuming this isn't unfamiliar to you. Where are we in this grand story? You know it starts with creation, and uh, there's a good world. God creates all these spaces, and then he fills them, and he creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in the garden, and all is well until the serpent shows up, and there is deception, and a lie that's believed, and there's fallenness. 
and this fallenness continues. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And in Jesus' death and resurrection, this redemption begins, the kingdom comes, the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost, and we live in this space, the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. The already, not yet. Some of you may have remembered Pastor Alex's sermon, already, not yet. And this is how we see Diane's situation and miraculous healings. It's already, not yet. We know that when Jesus returns, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old has passed away, and the new has come. So let's look at this, God's original vision for humanity. We are made for relationship with God, made for godly dominion over the earth. We are made to be in harmonious relationship, male, female, and humans originally in a physical body that was not designed for death. We were designed for immortality. Let's look at this schematically. Our sovereign triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and angelic beings, they're also before the, cre the creation. And then there's created order, plants and animals on the sixth day, humans are created, and we are this curious spiritual beings, yet part of the material world. We span these, both these worlds. And notice with these solid lines that indicate shalom, a harmonious relationship um, in balance, both within the spiritual world and in the physical world. This is important to understand because this is what Jesus came back to reestablish. And as little Christs, you know, we are all, if you are a Christian, you're a little Christ, a little anointed one. God's anointing is on you to cooperate with Jesus in this work of restoration until he comes again. Then, of course, the fall brokenness. It wasn't supposed to be like this. You don't have to look far to see this shattered image of God. There is no facet of our humanity that has not been deeply broken. Body, mind, spirit, in all of these different dimensions, there's a pervasive need for healing, and we see this played out from dysfunctional families to warring nations. The shalom is lost. Creation itself is cursed. You see, these were the original shalom relationships, and notice what happens with the fall. So many of those disappear. And humans are now we've got in that curse that is played out, male domination of female, the image of God shattered. We are not doing a good job 
of being stewards of creation. And there is this huge sin barrier that separates us from God. Even some of the angelic beings rebel, and we have this fallen world, all of these broken relationships. Do you remember just the last verse of chapter 2 in Genesis where they were naked and unashamed? There was no shame. There was no guilt. There was no fear before the fall. But with the fall, all of those pervasive things, even death itself enters. Did you notice in chapter 3 of of Genesis that God clothes Adam and Eve before he evicts them from the garden? So, you know, his modesty. But where do those skins come from? Death, some sort of animal sacrifice. Death enters. The curse God spoke over the serpent gives us a hint, gives us that promise that a rescuer will come. God says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head. He, Jesus, will crush the head of the serpent, and you will strike his heel. Jesus will be wounded, but will be victorious. And so... In the fullness of time, Jesus empties himself of his divinity. Remember in the second chapter of Philippians there, where he empties himself and takes on human form, and he comes to earth. We've just celebrated Christmas as that uh, has happened. And then he grows, he's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he's sent out into the wilderness, driven there by the Spirit, comes back, he goes to synagogue, like every good Jew on the Sabbath, and they hand him the scroll, the scroll of Isaiah. He reads that portion of Isaiah that we know as Isaiah 61, and here is the mandate. He's basically saying, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Does that not look like good news? And this is the shalom breaking back in, the kingdom being established. It's Jesus is coming as the king, and it's like the beachhead of D-Day. It was that promise of victory. It hasn't fully played out yet. That's why we're in this already not yet. But the kingdom has come near. He rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant. They all look at him. And then he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. It's like, okay, we are launching ministry. They get a little offended by that. They send him out of town, and he goes down to Capernaum, and what happens? Healings, deliverances. He begins a ministry where he is taking back territory that had been claimed by the enemy in this fallen creation. Then he sends out his disciples. First in Matthew, we see the 12 go out. And what does he tell them? Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is come near. Again, this is the kingdom coming. What are they supposed to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Ministry for disciples to do. Then in the 72, 
in Luke are sent out doing similar things. Heal the sick. The kingdom of God has come near you. We often think of physical healing as part of uh, the mandate, but you know that if you've read Isaiah 53, where it says, by his wounds we are healed, healing is actually part of our salvation. You know, the, the Greek word for salvation, sozo, is translated sometimes as healed, sometimes translated as delivered, sometimes translated as saved or salvation. So all of those meanings are woven together here. Look at this list of the types of healing. This is not limited to physical healing. In fact, spiritual healing, which is restoring that relationship to God, is the most important type of healing of all. God's reign is here and now. It's already and not yet. We are invited to step into that. Let's look at this. Um, Again, being born again is the gateway to reversing the effects of the fall. And this restoring this relationship to God, spiritual healing, we consider that. If you have not had a restored relationship with Jesus Christ, that's where to start. Come and pray with one of us um, at these prayer stations. Get that right, and other good things will flow from there. The second stage of healing is a many-faceted stage where that shattered image of God is restored through inner healing, which is often a healing of memories or traumas um, involving healing of um, mental and um, emotional challenges inner healing, physical healing, um, even deliverance can be part of this restoring the image of God within us. Then, of course, relational healing. My goodness, we don't have to look far for that, right? Restoring families, restoring a right relationship, male to female. And um, then on to creational healing. Uh, there's a wonderful Christian ministry, Arosha, whose passion it is to restore wholesome um, stewardship over the earth, something that was part of our creation mandate when in the garden, when God sets Adam and Eve there and says, look after this place. I don't see anywhere in scripture where he says, you don't have to do that anymore. And Maybe that's a passion. We all have a particular calling in this grand mandate to cooperate with Jesus in reversing the effects of the fall. And it is more effective, you will be more effective in whatever ministry and call you have for the kingdom if facets of this healing have happened in your own life, in your own heart. We're more effective when we've been set free from bondages of, of unforgiveness or lies that we've believed about ourselves or God. Maybe your passion is justice issues, restoring integrity and righteousness to the institutions of our culture. Well, you know, that flows from people whose hearts are transformed more and more to reflect Christ. And if you know a little of history, you'll know that um, great social movements for good have come on the heels of revivals, 
when mass of the population have had their hearts turned to Christ. Um, for example, the Second Great Awakening in the early 19th century led to the abolition of slavery. It was the hearts of so many converted people who said, this just is not right, and we must do something about this. Maybe God's stirring in you a desire to be part of our healing ministry. And by all means, talk to me or other prayer ministers, and let's get you connected. So I mentioned earlier, who has a testimony of God's healing activity in their life? It's okay. You can raise your hand. You don't have to come up and talk. Look around. Look around. There are many of us in this place, not just me. But I'm going to tell you a story that um, we, we often like to have testimonies a little more recent. This goes back decades, but it hasn't been told here for a while. Um, uh, once upon a time, I was a young mom, um, full of energy and overcommitted volunteer, uh, both at church and at the kids' school. Some of you know me from back then. Uh, it was leading up to Easter. I had a house full of company for a long time, and um, I picked up a bug, some sort of virus, and uh, all my company left, and the virus didn't leave, and my energy didn't come back, and I'll tell you, I couldn't, I couldn't walk the kids to school. I couldn't, there were all sorts of things I couldn't do. I would just hit the wall and kind of, you know those cartoons where you hit the wall and then you go down into a puddle? I, I talk about, you know, hitting the wall, and it's like, whew. Um, I had to be very careful, was I going to go downstairs, because then I'd have to have energy to get back upstairs, could I do that? On the worst day, I didn't have the energy to put the spoon to my mouth. Um, I couldn't sit up properly, I developed a pain in my back, because I was at awkward angles. The church was great, brought food, planted my garden, cleaned my house, marvelous support, but, you know, it, it gets old being incapacitated. Um, some of you might remember that I went to the church picnic that year, dragged myself there, and then lay on the chaise uh, while all the activity was going on. It was a few weeks later that friends said, uh, there's a fellow coming from England who has a healing ministry, and we think you should go, and we'll take you. Um, and I felt so much like the, the fellow in the story in the Gospels with the friends, you know, the guy on the pallet, and the friends took him to Jesus and made a hole in the, in the roof and lowered him down. Well, I was the one on the pallet. Um, I mean, I couldn't sit up, um, so I took a pillow along. He was going to be there for two nights. The first night, my husband, Les, was not available to come, um, and we went... And uh, it was, uh, he spoke about um, words of knowledge. This is sort of a discernment, a sense from God that there's somebody here that God would like to heal. And that came, these words of knowledge, and you'll see those are, are referred to in 1 Corinthians as a gift from the Holy Spirit. Um, they tend to come in one of three ways. Either you walked in perfectly fine and now you've got a sympathetic, um, you've got a pain in your knee that you've never had before and that's sort of developed just while you were at the service. Or a word comes to mind, you know, arthritis, or, or maybe a vision. 
And so he explained about that and then um, proceeded, he and um, others in the leadership team proceeded to offer these um, and to see if there were responses. And I would put the category of ministry that night more in, in inner healing and people who were um, healing memories or traumas of some sort. Uh, I kept waiting for somebody to say chronic fatigue. There's somebody here with chronic fatigue. It never happened. Um, so we went home. The next night, my husband Les was available to come and there were some courtright people there that night. Um, and um, the, the fellow leading it said, you know, God doesn't only want to heal when I come to town, so tonight we're going to wait for you to get words of knowledge. And you could almost hear the audible gasp. <gasps> really, us? I mean, I thought that's why you came to town. Well, um, things were much slower and more tentatively offered. And I want to say, offering something tentatively is not a bad thing. Um, and we um, try to have a practice as prayer ministers, if we sense God is saying something, that we'll offer this um, with an open hand. Because honestly, if it really is from God, it's going to resonate with the heart of the person that it's for. You don't have to go, God says, you know, anyway. Um, so again, I'm waiting to hear chronic fatigue and... Um, didn't happen. There was a fellow in a wheelchair who said, I've um, I got a pain in my back. Now, that's not my problem. That's not why I'm in a wheelchair, and I didn't have it when I came in here. So there's somebody here with a pain in the back. Well, yeah, I had a pain in my back, but, you know, there's so many people with serious back issues. It's, I thought, oh, that can't be me. And uh, so I didn't say anything. Nobody responded. So there's a little pause, and a second person, I have to say, I'm the only one that needed two words of knowledge to respond. So the second guy stands up and says, I have that same pain in my back, but I also have a vision, a vision of a room that somebody's been confined to. And I just had a sense in my spirit, that's my bedroom window he's seen. And I stood up, I was hunched over, and I, I walked, I shuffled, slower than my now 99-year-old father walks. I mean, shuffled forward, and as I'm going forward, I'm thinking, I wonder what color the curtains were in his vision, you know? Your head is doing this thing. Like, really? Is this, is this for real? And so um, I wasn't too surprised that as these two fellows came forward to pray for me that um, I crumpled to the floor. I hadn't been standing for very long, for months, so... As they prayed for me, they actually discerned and prayed against spirits of infirmity. And my head's going, well, when did those get in? I didn't invite them, and, you know, they have no business here. So sure enough, they, uh, I began to tremble, head to toe. My goodness, what's going on? They announced the last hymn, and I thought, okay, if they're just going to leave me here. Um, and the music's over, and they come, and they grab my hand and say, you're healed. And I got to my feet. The spring was back in my step, the energy in my voice, and I have not looked back. That was 1990. And I praise God. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Why? 
did I receive healing? And there are others. There's others in our congregation who have had chronic fatigue, have not had that kind of same experience. I have no answers. But I cannot deny that God does heal today. And, and we are welcome to come and ask. Ask. And so, as you prepare for communion and to receive prayer, I ask, ask Jesus to identify what one thing would you like prayer for today? These are going to be relatively short prayer times. We do offer longer prayer times. And you know, back to words of knowledge, uh, one of our prayer ministers, who's um, quite an intercessor as well, um, sent me an email and said, I have a sense that there, um, there may well be people here who have a very deep childhood trauma that God would like to heal but who may be reluctant to come forward for prayer. Fair enough, some of this stuff is very tender, and um, I understand that. I want to say, we do make longer prayer appointments with people as well, and so this isn't, you're not limited to what we can offer this morning. So what's one thing you'd like God to heal? And what blocks might there be? In our experience of offering prayer ministry, we often find that unforgiveness is a block. So even if that's... Is there someone God's asking you to forgive and it's tough work? Um, Come and let us witness that. Let us um, help facilitate um, your offering forgiveness. Or are there fears that you're carrying? And again, in our experience of prayer ministry, fears tend to be um, associated with some sort of lie that we've believed. A lie about God, a lie about ourselves. And a healing process for that involves identifying the lie. Can you recognize the lie for what it is? Renounce the lie. Maybe you have to forgive somebody who planted that lie in in your head, in your heart and forgive yourself sometimes. Uh, So identify the lie, renounce it, and then ask Jesus, what's the truth? So there's a bit of a, you know, and you don't need a prayer minister to do this, but often the context there is helpful. Why do we do this on a communion Sunday? You know, we are going to be coming to the table shortly. And there we focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it was in his death and resurrection that the power of sin was broken. And the presence, in a mysterious way, Jesus' presence is with us in that sacrament. And if you look at the scripture, you know, the very presence of Jesus sort of expelled demons. Things were stirred and there can be healing um, facilitated with the sacrament. You received a little half page on your way in here. This is an older diagram and you'll notice that what we consider our center section on this diagram doesn't have this center aisle. So we're going to pretend this aisle does not exist. So for you folks, please head out 
to these side aisles as you come forward for communion. And you'll notice these uh, orange signs up. The two stations that are here in the sanctuary, there's one at the back down that aisle and another at the back down that side aisle, and we're considering those blessing stations. Um, not that it's exclusively that, not that you can't be blessed if you go to a prayer station, um, but there are three places that are prayer stations that have doors that close, which means we can probably hear each other a little better while the music is on. And um, so the prayer room, the youth room, and then over, Dennis has given me permission to use his tech office, um, again, because it's got a, a door, so we can hear each other better. So, you know, I'm a teacher, and so I want to say any questions, but I guess we don't do that in church, do we? So, um, <laughs> so let's pray. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we stand in awe of who you are, of your great love that just oozes forth. It was out of compassion, Lord, when you saw people. Out of compassion, you reached out and healed people. And will your love and your compassion just fill this place and fill our hearts and accomplish your work of your spirit here among us today, Father. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name.